Hey folks, you own firearms? I do. Did you know that there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Meet muzzle stick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzle stick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. That could save lives. Are you one of nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection? Well, Taking an extra precaution by using muzzle sticks, big bright barrel, and chamber flags will let everyone around you know if the firearm is loaded or unloaded. Muzzle stick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some people do. And a clearly marked gun's status communicates to others around that may not have firearm handling experience and it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzle stick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety. However, their chamber and barrel flags do offer firearms rapid clear identification, and that could save lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owner. Head over to muzzlestick, M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K dot com to place your order. One more time, that's muzzlestick, M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K dot com. After all, we only have one life to live. Hello, America. Happy Sunday and welcome to the Sunday Brunch Edition of John Solomon Reports. That's right. Maybe you're having an omelet on the back deck or you are cut your pods in and you're listening to me while you're mowing the lawn or going for that Sunday walk that we should all do to stay healthier and fit. Well, we've got the show of shows for you. We're not going to let you down. We've got some great guests, starting with Mark Robinson, one of the rising stars of the conservative movement of the Republican Party. Currently, he's the lieutenant governor of North Carolina. He is vying next year to become its governor, to knock out a long trend in North Carolina of having a Democratic governor. Mark Robinson will join us at the top of the show. Parents, budget, he's doing so many innovative things. Amanda and I had an amazing chance to talk to him earlier in the week. We've adapted that. Many of the other interviews off our TV show, very excited about that. All right. In the second block, we've got some other good folks. Congressman Ralph Norman, always colorful, always direct, always thinking about how to fix what's wrong in America, not just a bitch about it. Congressman Ralph Norman is going to talk to us. He is one of the most influential voices in challenging Kevin McCarthy to do more, getting Kevin McCarthy elected when he chose to do more, and now making sure Kevin McCarthy holds the line on things like the debt ceiling. Great conversation with him and also about the brilliance of what he sees Kevin McCarthy and the Senate Republicans have done. They've created a joint alliance across the entire Capitol, which boxes in Joe Biden. We'll talk to Congressman Norman about that. And then we've got a pretty cogent voice from the Midwest, Congresswoman Lisa McLean. She is, I think, one of the most direct, straightforward, common sense thinkers in all of Congress. Lisa McLean going to talk about all things budget, all things border. She'll have a lot to say, and I think you'll enjoy it. And then my good friend, also one of my favorite podcasters, Nick Giordano, about the state of parents' rights, about the state of common sense. Nick is, like many people, working on efforts to encourage as glamorous a path to a trades education, so you can go work as a plumber, electrician, a repairman, because you can make six figures and a good living. You don't have to go to college for that. And Nick Giordano is going to talk about his effort and the larger effort to make trade education, trade schools, apprenticeships, just as glamorous, just as respected 
as a four-year college degree. We'll talk about that. And then we'll come back. We'll have two great discussions about the budget, about the law, about where we are. Andy Esposito and Dan Savickas, they are two of the biggest thinkers when it comes to fiscal sanity, security sanity. You're going to love to hear from them both. We're going to have them back-to-back right here on uh, John Solomon Reports, the Sunday brunch edition. Don't go anywhere right after this commercial break. Mark Robinson will be up next. Folks, Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule, that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store. Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Welcome back, everybody. North Carolina has been one of those states that has moved mountains over the last election cycle, and even more specifically within the last few weeks. Their conservative Supreme Court just restored voter ID laws and their lieutenant governor, known as America's favorite lieutenant governor, based on what I heard at CPAC, has announced his candidacy to become the next governor. Joining us now to talk about what all is moving, shaking, and soon to come is none other than Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. Sir, welcome back to the show. Good to see you. Thank you all for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. We love having you on. We love talking to you because you are one of those no-nonsense type gentlemen. And uh, it seems that you are beloved in North Carolina, but CNN is not wasting any time lobbing attacks at you. I don't think it's going to work, though. But tell us about your campaign and why you're running. Well, we love, we, you know, we, we launched our campaign a couple weeks ago. We had uh, over 2,000 people at our, uh, at our campaign launch. 
Uh, strong support all across the state. Uh, our polls look great. We're 50 points plus up on all of our primary opponents. We're five points up on our Democratic challenger. And we got a lot of momentum going on, this, on, on in this race. But we're going to fight like we're 50 points down. And we're going to keep because we've got a lot of folks in the state to talk to. We're not interested in getting into any nasty fights with anybody over anything. What we want to do is talk to the people of North Carolina, uh, let them get to know us, tell them the real story, and then tell them about our vision for partnering with them to make this state uh, better than we found it. Yeah, it's it's funny. I was just at a speech and as I was leaving the speech, some of the influential people there came up and talked to me and said, North Carolina feels like a model for how Republicans should win races in the future. They're registering a lot more Republicans. They're getting early votes out when it's legal to do so. They're always talking about issues. And uh, they went to the Supreme Court to uphold the supremacy of the legislature to set the rules of election. Why don't other states do that? It seems like you have the model right there in North Carolina for what all Republican states should be doing. Tell us what you've been up to. Absolutely. Well, you know, here in North Carolina, like I said, our moves to make sure that we secured uh, uh, constitutional conservatives on the bench has paid dividends. Those three rulings that we just had, particularly the one on voter ID and the one on our maps, that's going to pay huge, huge dividends for us because, uh, you know, the, the Democrats here have been allowed to draw their maps for years. A Republican should be able to draw theirs as well. Now that we have uh, conservative, constitutional conservatives on the bench that will protect that right, we're going to be able to draw on maps and the will of the people is going to be heard. And voter ID, I believe, is going to be the law of the land in North Carolina, as it should be everywhere in this country, because it's common sense legislation for the common good. It protects our right to vote and protects our vote. And that's the first step of election, election integrity. So I couldn't be more pleased at what we're doing here in this state. We've been on the right track since 2010, and this is just more proof of it. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of Republicans look at this state as far as voter integrity, specifically, obviously, with, with voter ID. But in 2018, North Carolinians voted for voter ID, but you had activist judges and lawfare and, and all sorts of folks trying to stand in the way. Do you expect them to try these types of tactics again with other, uh, other provisions that secure voter integrity? Of course they are. They're going to yell and scream and throw out all types of false narratives to stand in the way to try to secure people's vote and try to end voter fraud and other and other forms of uh, of, of, of voter um, you know. Um, any kind of way that they can do to to continue to play funny with the vote, they're going to continue to do it. Uh, but we're not going to allow that because I'm bound and determined to see law and order come back to this state. And uh, it starts with making sure that your vote is secure and the people of this state. Uh, they indeed went to the polls overwhelmingly, 55 to 50, 56 percent of them voted to have voter ID to be the law of the land. It was struck down by a few activist judges. But thank God our, our state did the right thing by putting those constitutional conservatives in place to protect their rights and protect their right to vote. So uh, we're going to do the right thing in this state and uh, we're going to see to it that it happens. Yeah, such an important mission in so many other states. Now looking at North Carolina, said, I want to do that. That's a good idea. Um, sure. Sir, there's been this elitist view that there's only one way to success in America. You got to go get a college education. You got to go get a white collar job. As a result, we've lost extraordinary amounts of our skilled trade jobs. We're really in a crisis now. You're one of the few political leaders. You're right there. You know, Mike Rowe has been talking about this for a long time. But you, you've been really working on trying to make a pathway to skilled jo trade jobs be a successful story. Education to job. Tell us what you've been working on. 
Sure, our office was able to, to secure $12 million for apprenticeship programs uh, across the state uh, here in North Carolina. We want to do even more because we see the, the great effect that that is having in so many places and for so many uh, employers. And, and those employers are the key to continue to build our economy. But more importantly, those, uh, those employers and those employees are key to success in our state because we want folks to get, have great careers. And, and we say, I say this all the time, there's nothing wrong with a four-year university degree, and we're not against four-year university degrees. But we also want to let our students know and our children know that there are a number of other venues that you can go through to make a great, not just a living, you can make a great career. And the skilled trades, uh, that those, those opportunities definitely exist there. Not only do they exist, you can go to and take some training, get a year, two years, come out debt-free, and be making close to six figures, if not six figures, in a lot of those positions. We want to open up those opportunities and those, uh, to, to our young people and let them know that the four-year university is not the only way to go. Yeah, such an important message. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think there's also a cultural aspect to it as well, uh, as far as a four-year college degree versus a two-year trade school, because as, as we are seeing increasingly more in the last decade or so, these kids who go to college, they come out not only with debt, but they also they also emerge with a disdain for this country um, and, and ideas that are not necessarily democratic or republic. And then you compare that to people like like John was talking about micro, the dirty jobs, the people who who have that hard work individualism instilled into it. And that creates two totally different types of cultures. Can you expound on that? Well, you know, I think we've sold our children a false bill of goods on universities. What we told them is go to a university, have a good time, go drink beer, go to a football game, make a few good grades, get out, get a degree and everything will be OK. That's not the message we need to send to our young people about universities. What we need to tell a child before they go to a university, a four-year university is, this is a serious investment into your time, of your time and your money. And before you, should, you go into a four-year university, you should have a plan and a purpose, what you want to be and how you're going to get there. We need to get young folks to start taking uh, the university experience serious again. It's not about going to football games and basketball games and partying. It's not about this fun atmosphere. It's about setting yourself for, for, for a career, learning the things that you're going to need to know in order to be successful in the, the career that you desire to go into. And if that career is a doctor or lawyer or some other type of career that you need a four-year university degree, be ready for that. Take it serious and understand when you come out, you may be saddled with a lot of debt that you're going to have to take care of. Do everything you can to alleviate that. We are not sending the right message to our children right now about uh, the four year university degree experience. And quite frankly, it's, it's, it's not boding well for a lot of them. Yeah, uh, straight talk has always been the best talk in America, and you're, you are good for that. People really appreciate that you're just so candid with them. I want to ask about teachers. They're in this unusual situation where they're caught between teachers unions that have one agenda and parents that just want what's best for their children. You have a lot of ideas to, I think, try to heal this rift and create an education system that works for every parent, every child. Tell us some of the things that you would do as governor to improve the education system, particularly this conflict where teachers are in the middle between their unions and parents. 
Well, when you when you talk about uh, teachers, one of the things that I'm so dismayed about, and you can go on social media and you can look at the videos all day long yeah. of teachers being assaulted both verbally and physically, and nothing is done about it. If the teachers union cares so much about teachers, why aren't they protecting those teachers and fighting to protect those teachers in the classroom? I would submit to you that we need an education system that is going to treat teachers like professionals, protect them like professionals and pay them like professionals and hold them to a professional standard. I know that's what they want. I know that's what we want. That's what our parents and our students want. We have got to start having that again. Uh, teachers are not taken yeah. seriously in our society anymore. They're they're assaulted. Yeah. They're, they're, they're verbally assaulted. And we see it every day. And no one, including the teachers union, is doing anything about it. Here in North Carolina, we yeah. intend to do something about it. We intend to treat our, treat our, treat our teachers as well as they have been treating our students. All right, folks, in a few seconds, Congressman Ralph Norman. But first, just a reminder for those of you who want to get my book, Hidden Headlines, the children's book about Chunk the Hamster, my son's hamster, who's now a newspaper editor, the story of the dangers of censorship, celebrating the goodness of free speech and why the First Amendment's first. Go get my book, Hidden Headlines at bravebooks.us, bravebooks.us. That's worth going to check out. Do that today. All right, in a few seconds, we'll have Congressman Ralph Norman from the great state of South Carolina. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, Text Just News to 989898 right now. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. One of the most important voices of accountability in Washington. He joins us right now. Congressman Ralph Norman in the great state, of course, of South Carolina. Congressman, great to have you on, sir. Great to be with you, John and Amanda. 
This was a big moment today. James Comer delivered a lot of evidence. Actually, all of the colleagues on the House Oversight and uh, Accountability uh, Committee did so. What are the highlights for you? When you step back and you look at this, what should everyday Americans take from it? Well, the, the, the sad part about it, John, is it's taking this long to get the information out. You know, Joe Biden can say all, all he wants, that he's, he's innocent. Well, the facts don't prove that. Uh, you know, the emails that were from uh, to Hunter Biden uh, that Tony Blinken tried to say were not his. Uh, Tony Blinken is secretary of state. He's not some paper boy that just blew in off the street. Uh, the, one, the message he sent to Mr. Morrell. Uh, claiming that it just wasn't true. Well, I'm sorry. It's it's like the SARS report, the suspicious activity reports. It's in writing. And uh, the fact that they would try to cover this up, and it's just now that we're it's coming to light. I, James Comer's done a great job. His committee's done a great job. And this is more than uh, the press tried to make out that this was minor tax problems or trying to get a gun illegally. This is serious uh, information that... Uh, he's got to account for, and the millions of dollars that, that he's he's had, the boards he's chose, he's been selected to serve on. With he doesn't have any knowledge. He's not like he's contributed anything. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. And I think uh, there's got to be consequences now too, John and Amanda. It can't be just this uh, pushed under the rug. Uh, we got to let the American people see what he's done. We got to let let the American people see direct evidence. And that's what James Comer's committee will do. Yes, sir. And I, I think that they likely underestimated um, this class of Republicans and, and the tenacity that you all have had. Uh, to, to keep some of those promises that you made leading up to the midterms. But I want to switch gears to something else they underestimated on, because we now have three Democrat senators, uh, on, obviously on the Senate side, who are speaking out against the end of uh, or the lifting of Title 42. And you've got, of course, some Democrats as well. They underestimated this, but I think that Americans look at this crisis, and the big question is, is there anything that we can do in the next, what, 18 hours uh, any type of injunction, any stay, any last minute measure, emergency measure that we can do to keep the hundreds of thousands of people on the other side of the border from flooding in? Well, what's happening, Amanda, is, uh, and it's, it's been shown with Guatemala as just one country where the president of Guatemala could not get the president of the United States on the line. And I think it's 80 plus thousand that are from Guatemala coming across the border. Uh, the fact of the matter is, this is an invasion and it's directly caused by this administration who are intentionally doing this ever since he's been in office. Uh, it's not that complicated. President Trump was building the wall. You have designated points of entry and they've taken that away. So they're flooding in. The sad part is the with, with Title 42 going away is bad enough. But the Border Patrol agents, I know when I visited, were not able to do their jobs anyway. Uh, whoever wanted to come across the border into our country, regardless of who they were, uh, whether they were terrorists, whether they were, uh, th th this administration did not care about finding out. And it's such, this is a national security uh, matter. Uh, I don't know how we walk this back, but this administration is uh, directly responsible for it. They know it. They just don't care. And that's that's the sad part about what's happening to this country. 
Yeah, that is true. And we're all suffering. Every state is a border state with fentanyl and security and all the issues that Joe Biden has allowed to come into each of our communities. Congressman, I want to go back just for a second to Hunter Biden, because I think you and your colleagues have found a really fascinating pattern. Maybe the, the, the secret sauce of Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings. It seems like he picks on oligarchs in countries that have significant problems. China, Ukraine, Russia. Oftentimes they have a legal issue. The, uh, Burisma was under investigation when Hunter Biden joined the board. Uh, the guy in Romania had been convicted of, a, of, of bribery already by the time he's working for him. Um, was this a scam to just make money off of unsavory foreign figures uh, with the idea that maybe they can get some help from his father, which they maybe probably don't end up delivering at the end of the day? I think it was a definitely was a scam and it was definitely uh, it, it, it was to get money. And you're not talking about fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars. No. You're talking about what James is going to show in his thirty-six page report uh, is tens and fifteen million dollars and sure. more. Uh, and when it's uncovered, it's going to going to indict uh, really the whole family because it's Joe Biden's brother, it's the big guy Joe Biden himself, and it's it's Hunter Biden who the laptop. Look at that, and they, they can't keep the lid on this as they have been doing for a long number of years. Romania, that, as you mentioned, dated back to, from 2015 to 2017, yeah. and the 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 trail of LLCs and businesses that. Uh, Hunter Biden's uh, partners uh, in other uh, business entities were uh, getting money and then transferring it to uh, to Hunter. Mm. So uh, it's it's uh, it's so uh, it's so sad for the American people. But now it's time to uncover it and let the American people judge. And Joe Biden's not going to get by with just saying uh, we're innocent. It, that's not going to work. The American people have discovered the crime family than that they really are. Sir, there is a very important hearing uh, taking place tomorrow with the Budget Committee. Now, I don't include myself in this analogy because I'm very responsible with money. Uh, but oftentimes for people, when they get a massive credit card bill, they think to themselves, what did I spend all that money on? Well, this hearing tomorrow pertains to that uh, on woke, wasteful, weaponized and bloated bureaucracy. All of that wasteful spending. Talk to us about what uh, the Budget Committee will uncover tomorrow. Budget committee will get a front row seat to the millions of dollars that have gone that have gone to be friendly highways, the 142 million dollars that went to build borders in other countries, uh, you know the the building of parks. Uh, people say, well, you know, I disagree with build the 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 FBI building, the dollar spent. Uh, it makes it mild compared to what is going to other countries under the guise of the wokeness and the climate change that they're correcting. And it's, uh, it'll uncover all of that. And it's, it's one more uh, nail in the coffin for this administration who's claiming any kind of physical responsibility. Because think about it, Amanda, he's got, he's in charge, uh, you know, he's the chief executive. He spent, uh, since he's been in office, four to five trillion dollars of money we don't have, uh, and now claiming he can't find a dollar. I, I'm sorry, a 13-year-old that runs a lemonade stand can find a dollar to cut. <laughs> this administration cannot find it. And we're going to stick tight to what we presented to them. Uh, tomorrow, we'll, you'll see a lot of the mismanagement and really just greed uh, and just a total disregard for the fact that it's the taxpayers' money. It's not the politicians' money. And Joe Biden does not believe that. And this will be another uh, display of pure arrogance on a family that has done so much damage to this country.
Oh, folks, we got a lot more to come. Remember, if you want to join AMAC and take advantage of that membership we talked about with Bobby Charles earlier in the week, amac.us slash justnews, amac.us slash justnews. That's what gets you a special discount. Go match me on the five-year deal. That's a good, good deal. All right, when we come back, Congresswoman Lisa McLean from the great state of Michigan. Boy, does she have some stuff to say about energy, about common sense, about the border, about the budget. You'll enjoy her. She's one of the more colorful and pronounced speakers in all of Congress. We'll have her in just a second. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook a, a vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick House Nutrition and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Welcome back, America. This has been a busy and I would say one of the most consequential weeks I've seen in Congress in a very long time. From the revelations about the Biden 
business deals overseas and whistleblowers coming forward to historic legislation to close the open border to today, an amazing hearing about how much money has been wasted of your tax dollars, the hard-earned tax dollars you paid the federal government. Well, our next guest has been at the forefront of nearly every one of those issues. She sits on the House Budget Committee and the House Oversight Committee, and she joins us from the great state of Michigan right now, Congresswoman Lisa McLean. Congresswoman, great to have you on the show. Hey, great to be here. I want to start with a hearing today that I thought was one of the most enlightening I've seen in a long time of just how our everyday tax dollars get wasted. The Budget Committee dug in lots of examples, particularly during the pandemic, of just wasteful, almost mind-boggling spending. Tell us why this hearing was so important. What struck you the most from the evidence? You know, what struck me the most from the evidence really um, was Rosa DeLora, a Democrat, obviously, sent an inquiry to all of the agencies saying, if we pass this Republican budget, what's it going to do, right? It's typical fear-mongering, right? And I was appalled at what the agencies came back with. And I'll just give you a couple examples. So it's a matter of priorities, right? We've maxed out our credit cards and we have to get our fiscal house in order. The number one thing that the agencies thought we should do is cut WIC. Well, if you if you pass this budget, um, $1.3 billion um, is going to go away from underserved kids. So I dug into that a little bit. That's the first place you're going to go is we're going to take money away from women, infants, and children and the underserved. Well, as I dug in, um, I thought I found a lot of other areas that we could cut. And it was just amazing to me. Then I went over to the FAA. Pete Buttigieg said, we need to, if we did this budget, air traffic controllers would, would be cut by 22% and, you know, planes would crash and no one would be able to travel. Well, again, I dug in and I said, well, instead of starting there, why don't we start with the island hotspots? Does anyone even know what an island hotspot is? Right? We spend like $1.5 million on an island hotspot. How about tree coverings? Right? Um, it's it's amazing to me. The last one, which I which I dug in on a little bit, was it said it would cut our military by 22%. Yeah. All right. Well. There's nowhere in the budget that says that, number one. Number two, let's just think for a moment, hypothetically, if we did that, we could recoup that if we spent $1 trying to recapture some of the fraudulent claims to the tune of $250 billion of those that we paid to people. But we can't even talk about that. So to me, where I think we're doing a good job is we're coming up with solutions, realistic solutions and it's a matter of priority. We would prefer to keep our our citizens safe and protect our children where the Democrats are more concerned concerned about tree coverings and planting some trees. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be Washington without wasteful spending. So <laughs> we are so glad that you are paying attention though and digging in because that's that's really what it takes, honestly. Um, I wanted to ask you though, speaking of digging in your committee uh, and your colleagues uh, oversight revealed some pretty damning things this week regarding the Biden family, their, their foreign business dealings, of course, China, Ukraine, now we know Romania. 
As you see the information come out from all of this, I mean, Congress can really only do so much. You can recommend charges, but you have to pass the baton on to the Department of Justice. What from what you have found is chargeable? And do you think that charges would transpire? I'm hopeful they will. So we are in just the beginning stages of uncovering really a scheme, a money laundering scheme by the Biden family, really selling influence while Joe Biden was vice president to the tune of about $10 million. And there's really two different types of scheme. There's a money laundering scheme, right, which has you know, 15 or several, we'll say, different LLC corporations. Then we have um, a whole nother scheme that we see with really the Chinese, the CCP, and the Romanians, where all of the money from from an energy company goes to a a person and it gets distributed. The company keeps a third, It goes to a third to the Biden family and a third to another business entity, which, oh, by the way, the Biden's own. Again, it's pay to play. And if this were the former administration, holy moly, we would be all over this. What I'm amazed at is it got zero coverage from ABC, NBC or CBS. I mean, crazy. We we cover George Santos like it's going out of style, not that we shouldn't, but we're talking about a freshman freshman congressman. Why wouldn't we hold the president of the United States, forget about even to a higher standard, but to the same standard? I think the information that I've seen is very, very disturbing and very damaging. My hope is the DOJ does the right thing and actually looks into it and and does the right thing and, and perhaps... Uh, we see some charges filed yeah. because what is happening, it's just not making sense. Justice mm-hmm. has to be blind and the evidence has to be applied and the law is applied equally. And I know it just feels like it hasn't been that way for a while. Congressman, we got about a woman le- uh, a minute left. We got. I want to ask one question. The FBI has a very important document. They clearly have it now. They kind of confirmed that in the letter to your committee yesterday, but they don't want to turn it over right away. How do you think this will end? Do you think there's some room for negotiation? The committee can get access to that document? Well, what are they hiding? Right. So I think Jamie Comer, um, along with his partner, Jim Jordan, on the judiciary uh, side, uh, those two are pit bulls. And if there's anybody who can get those documents, it's Jamie and, and, and it's Jim. There's there's no question. I'm very optimistic that we will get those documents. Um, I know that the subpoena runs out today, um, but I just think it's a bad look. It's it, again, what are we hiding? All right, Nick Giordano, up next. Oh, yep, we're going to talk about why trade schools aren't as popular as college four-year education programs, even though the jobs that our men and women of the trades are just as good and high-paying as anything in the white-collar world. We're going to talk to Nick Giordano about changing the mindset on that right after this. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. 
My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why Title Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge your signature on a home sale form, then he or she refiles as the new owner, and bam, your home is not in your name, and all of a sudden, debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at sign up. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Nicholas Giordano is not just a podcast host and campus reform higher education fellow, but he's actually one of the very few good professors out there. And he wrote an op-ed on this very phenomenon I just touched on. Uh, Joining us here to help educate us further is our good friend, Nicholas Giordano. Welcome back, sir. Thank you for having me. Sir, I wanted to ask you about your your op-ed, Higher Education is Undermining America by Pushing Global Citizenship. Uh, I looked up a study and I found that last year, uh, about one in three Americans actually got on a plane and traveled somewhere. So actually uh, participated in global travel. What's the point for students to buy into the whole global citizenship thing if nobody's going anywhere? It's interesting because the colleges and the university systems have adopted this global citizenship and all their mission and vision statements. And what they say is that they're preparing the students for interconnectedness with the international community, that we are a global community. However, they fail to teach the students about the country that they're actually living in, the country that they're actually citizens of, which is the United States. I mean, we we see on the student performance, we just had Friday, the Department of Education report out that civics proficiency levels are at their lowest ever. History proficiency levels are at their lowest level ever. So what's the point of trying to push this global citizenship when they don't even understand their role and responsibility as American citizens? More importantly, though, this is an attack on the American identity. It's the attack on America herself, because when we examine it, you see that these people say, well, citizenship is just an accident by birth. It's it's not really intentional for the nation state complex. It's an accident. And therefore, we have to promote a global agenda. And that, that's the frightening aspect of this, because if we don't know the country that we're living in, if we don't know what our roles and responsibilities are, how could our country actually survive? And what's the gel that actually links us together at that point? Yeah, such an important question. And it really seems to be one side of the country's goal to supplant Americanism with globalism. And, and the higher education seems to be that place where the, the deal is tried to consummate. Uh, meanwhile, all this focus on college has uh, left us with a significant shortage of skilled trade workers. Earlier in the show, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson of North Carolina is talking about what he's doing in North Carolina to make it cool and hip and acceptable. And oh, by the way, lucrative 
to pursue a career in, in the trades. I know you feel really strongly about this. Talk a little bit about the potential opportunity we have to give children two paths, not just a college degree, but a trades degree would be pretty darn good as well. It would. And campus performance actually reported on this where you could have a two track system. Right. So the community colleges are actually the best place to learn some of the academics that you actually need in life. Uh, some liberal arts, because liberal arts is important in producing productive citizenry, those that understand roles and responsibilities. And then they get the vocational training where they actually learn skills that they can use on day one and make a lot of money doing it. The cost of college is ridiculously out of control. Tuition increase have been happening every year since the United States took over the student loan uh, departments, essentially. And what we see is that the cost versus benefit analysis is now coming into question. A lot of parents out there are saying, should I invest 20, 30, 40, 50, $100,000 a year for my child to be indoctrinated and at the same time not actually have any skills to actually build out the career that they need to sustain themselves? And, and people are rethinking what college should be about. So I think that this is a huge opportunity, unique opportunity to start giving students not only academic education, but also vocational education. That never leaves you, right? So if you learn electrical yeah. work, because I heard you talking about electrical work, well, that skill never goes old. You're always going to need it. And guess That's what? Right. You're never going to be replaced by AI. Great point. Yeah. That's an excellent point. And, and with respect to the student loans, I know you have a, a personal story that I would love for you to tell, but it seems like we are in this current climate. Um, you know, we're looking at the mortgage situation where people who have worked really hard to have good credit are now subsidizing people who have poor credit. Um, and, and you made a very wise decision or what you thought at the time was a wise decision to privatize your student loans. You did the right financial thing. And uh, it seems that that was for, for no good. Yeah, apparently when you do the responsible thing and did it Biden's America, you actually get penalized for it. So several years yeah. ago, I did apply for the public service forgiveness loan, where if you work for 10 years in public service, you could have student loans forgiven. They said, because I was in the wrong repayment plan, I don't qualify. So I did the responsible thing. I converted that to a private loan and got a lower interest rate to save me money. Lo and behold, the, the rules now changed and I would have actually qualified for it uh, and could have gotten $20,000 in student loan payments taken care of. Now, thankfully, I paid off my student loans a few months ago, actually. So we're talking at least that's the good news. Uh, the bad news is, though, if I would have just stayed in, in the loans that I had with the education department, it would have been forgiven. So if you do the right thing in America, if you save money and pay for your child's tuition, if you refinance into private loans, if you don't go to these exorbitant price schools and you go to a community college, you're essentially going to get penalized because you did the right thing in today's America. It's upside down world, right? So we, we see this in every aspect with the mortgages that you just brought up. If you have good credit, well, now you're going to have to pay extra points in order to take care of those with bad credit. We see it in crime where, where the victimizer is now being labeled as the victim. It really is stunning where we are in the United States. And it speaks to the cultural decline that we're witnessing all over the place. In uh, ground zero of the cultural decline, it seems to be in the education system. They set these children up to be civically illiterate, but indoctrinated in globalism. Uh, we got about 30 seconds left. Nick, what are some of the ideas you like most about maybe giving the uh, shock to the, uh, to the education system to start reforming these things. 
Well, I think you have to bring back civics, not indoctrination, actual civics, teaching students uh, the roles and responsibilities of the institutions. What is liberty? What is freedom? Why did the founding fathers want limited government? And why did the founding fathers call for a public education system that preaches uh, about a new American history so that students are equipped with the knowledge and skills they need and actually link us together as a society, being that we're all different? All right, Nick Giordano, up next. Oh, yep, we're going to talk about why trade schools aren't as popular as college four-year education programs, even though the jobs that our men and women of the trades are just as good and high-paying as anything in the white-collar world. We're going to talk to Nick Giordano about changing the mindset on that right after this. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back, everybody. The debt ceiling negotiations are affecting everyone. And without a deal, many financial organizations, investors, and other institutions are just as concerned as we are. And while inflation has cooled to just 4.9%, three major banks have collapsed in two months and 30-year fixed mortgage rates have doubled within just one year. Now, I understand I'm not sharing great news, so I'm hoping that our next guest has some or at least uh, can walk us through the outlook of the near future. Anthony Esposito is the director of U.S. Equities of Scotiabank, located up on John's Coast, over there on the East Coast in New York, and he joins us now. I want to address the bank collapses first because some, some of these other indicators, you know, if you're not a home buyer, then you might not notice some of these dire, uh, dire situations. But as far as the bank collapses, you had uh, Silicon Valley Bank, then Signature Bank, uh, and then First Republic. PacWest also looks to be on on shaky ground, but but just those three are bigger than the twenty five that collapsed back in 2008. I'm not saying it's time to panic, but it kind of seems like it's time to panic. <laughs> There's definitely, it, it seems very much like the tip of the iceberg, um, very much like the 2008, 2009 crisis in that people continue to say, the headlines continue to say it's not that bad. Um, we've already seen the worst of it. There is a backstop. Uh, so I think having, having traded through that and lived through that, I think the prudent thing is to expect additional uh, additional bombs to go off. Uh, I don't know if we're looking at a 2008-2009 scenario in depth, but I would say that with the way the Fed is raising rates and with the assets held on these banks' balance sheets, uh, I would be shocked if this was the end of the story or the last shoot of all. Yeah, that's a really, you hear that from so many people right now. Anthony, I want to ask about a dynamic known as stagflation where interest rates go up and uh, inflation keeps persisting because it's certainly the storyline that sunk the Carter presidency and really took a while for America to recover from. Are we in that moment? Are we approaching that moment? Is stagflation on the horizon? Has it arrived already? 
Well, let's look at it for what it is, right? Let's look at the numbers. We've seen the discount rate go from 25 basis points to five and a quarter percent. So we have rates going up. Anyone that's going out to get a mortgage or or try and get credit is seeing that rates are higher and standards are higher. Um, And then we see prices go. We had a a CPI tick of of one to two percent just one to two years ago, and we hit a high of nine percent. And Kind of market started to celebrate 4.9% this morning um, before the cash market opened on my desk. We saw the futures run 1% on the fact that our CPI year over year was uh, was 4.9%, which is extremely high. I mean, the Fed's target is 2%. And for anyone that's out there trying to buy, whether it's eggs or baby formula, milk or a home, um, I would say that we're there. We're, we're in a position where the, the, the definition of stagflation, we have higher rates, we have t- tighter credit. And we have higher prices and growth is slowing, right? We've seen GDP go from 4% down to 1% um, with with multiple negative ticks. So we're we're not in a, in a strong position. We're in a slower growth, uh, higher inflation, and tighter credit scenario, which is not a positive scenario. Yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned the tighter credit scenario. So I wanted to hone in on that for a moment because uh, Federal Reserve Governor Philip Jefferson said that that's normal for the cycle. You know, everybody's a little on edge, banks included. So you've got this contraction of credit availability. Is that normal for what we are experiencing as far as all the other factors pertaining to the economy? I think I think it is normal. I think, it, it, as with anything, you need to combine all the factors and all the inputs, right? So it's not a, it's not a normal scenario that banks are being taken out because of assets that they're holding, a lack of oversight by both the Fed and the bank boards and managers. Um, it's not a typical scenario where we see rates go from 25 basis points to five and a quarter percent in a year. So there are there are some other situations here and inputs here that are actually leading to more concern than would normally be the case in a, in a typical business cycle where at the end of the cycle, credit starts to tighten, um, growth slows, inventories build because they're not being sold and so on and so forth. So yes, that's typical. Is this exact scenario typical with the other inputs and data points that we can discuss? No, I don't think we're in an exactly a typical um, end of cycle recession or slowdown. There's a little more at work here. Yeah. I want to dig into that. Anthony, you did a good job explaining that. I want to dig into something that is the phenomenon that most behooves me. We know from history that the way you deal with fast rising inflation is to raise interest rates. And yet banks seem to bet on the idea that somehow the uh, interest rates would stay low and they should keep giving cheap uh, credit for a while. And now they have all these assets that exceed what they have to pay out. That gap, it seems to me like that was preventable. Am I maybe not being fair to the banks? Mm-hmm. I think I think you're being fair to the banks. And I think that's kind of seen in the Gallup poll from last week where confidence in um, in Powell, in Yellen and in in President Biden are all mid 30s. And actually, Biden is the lowest of the three. So I guess what I'm getting at is they were told the banks were told that rates would be low essentially forever. So they they decided to go out and run their businesses the best way they could and make money by borrowing money at basically zero and then lending it out to the public at three to four percent or higher. Uh, so were they were they wrong to do that? Well, they were kind of told by the Fed that that's the way this was going to run. And then within 12 months, the rules of the game changed. It's also concerning to see top down policy from the White House um, actually contradicting or hurting 
or nullifying the effects of higher rates. So you have policy top down from the White House that are actually inflationary. And then you have a Fed that's trying to raise rates to tame inflation. It's almost like they're they're battling forces. And the as those things happen and they're not in lockstep with each other to help the economy, to help inflation and to help, uh, to quite honestly, the everyday person in the country, um, I think that the confidence in in the Fed and in the White House is probably high at mid-30s, to be perfectly honest. Wow. Oh, Anthony, we've just got about a minute left. So I wanted to just get your 12-month forecast. This time next year, when we have you, when we have you back on, what are we going to be talking about? Hmm. I think we are, we're a year and a half into, uh, well, the bear, let's say, let's take a look at the markets first. The bear market started in the S&P um, in January of 21. Uh, the signals were really there the fourth quarter of 2020. So we're well into that bear. I think 12 months from now, we're, we're talking about a low and a bottom. I don't think we're on the upswing at that point, um, whether it be economically or market-wise. I think we have, um, we have a ways to go. I think a 12 to 24-month process to kind of work our way through this and start to get our footing is, should be expected and is reasonable. All right, we're going to wrap up with some budget sanity. I know you're thinking, well, how are we going to do that? Washington's a mess. Well, there's some people that are trying to fix it, and one of them is Dan Savikas. You're going to love what he has to say. He is doing his big share to make America more fiscally sane, more fiscally responsible after a decade of reckless spending. He'll give us the latest on the budget, on the budget deal, on the debt ceiling, right after these messages. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Just one week ago, President Biden invited both Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to the debt ceiling negotiation table. And tomorrow, that vital meeting will take place. After all, Treasury Secretary Janet Allen has warned that if Congress needs to act before the June 1st deadline to avoid economic calamity... We got to get moving. That's what our message was over the weekend. Here to discuss this meeting and the Earn It Act, which Congress is considering right now, is Dan Savikas, the Director of Policy for the Taxpayers Protection Alliance. Dan, great to have you back on the show. Always good to be with you guys. This is a pretty extraordinary um, week. I mean, there's a lot on the table. There's a very different dynamic than what happened in December when McConnell cut a deal with the Democrats and the House Republicans. Well, they were left out in the cold. Uh, McConnell and McCarthy very closely aligned, 44 Republican senators making clear 
Joe Biden's got to come to the table and make a real deal. How important is that to the dynamic compared to past debt ceiling crisis that we've all lived through? I think it's very important. You look back at the speakership fight in January that Kevin McCarthy had to deal with. He made a lot of promises to the Republican conference and to the American people that he was going to step to the table and be a different type of speaker who would actually push for spending cuts instead of kicking the can down the road on the debt, which is what Senate Democrats and even Senate Republicans have done to some extent because we've had months of extraordinary measures in the Treasury Department telling us that this deadline was going to happen. It didn't just come up by surprise. We knew this was going to happen. We knew June was about going to be that sweet spot. And now the time has come and everybody's acting like this is a big surprise and we just need to keep pushing the can down the road until we have more time to think about it. We've had time to think about it. The House Republicans passed a plan, a large portion of Senate Republicans are on board with this plan. There's no reason why this can't move forward. This is not a surprise. This is not a last second push. There's nothing going on under the table here with this plan. It should be a slam dunk for everybody involved. Yeah, it should be. Well, yeah, I mean, it should be. But I'm glad you brought that up because there there is a mundane aspect to this story, sadly, unfortunately, and not realistically, because Americans are used to hearing this. They are used to hearing about barely averting a crisis and kicking the can down the road. But as John teased at the intro with Janet Yellen calling this an economic calamity, I don't need to be uh, I don't mean to be uh, grotesque, but I, what does that economic calamity look like? Oh, it would be disastrous. That's for certain. And it's sad almost that this has become a regular occurrence in Washington, D.C., that we would just flirt with calamity. And then we use that threat to push disastrous policies down the line that we can't cut spending because otherwise it would be a disaster. Uh, We would lose a lot of the ability to borrow. Other nations would like de- downgrade our credit. It would be very difficult to get access to capital. American businesses would suffer with regards to foreign competitors. There are a lot of consequences to defaulting. There are also a lot of consequences to continue spending the way that we have, especially if other nations start pulling the rug out from under us. You see on the world stage, a lot of countries are moving away from the dollar and are talking with countries like China and Russia about moving to a different economic paradigm. So there are consequences on both sides, which is why it's a very easy way to go with what the House Republicans have put forward, meaningful spending cuts, avoid a debt default, uh, avoid hitting our borrowing limit without extraordinary measures. There are ways to avert both crises, but a lot of the people who just want to spend, spend, spend are going to leverage the fact that a default would be disastrous in order to continue spending and spending and spending and just trust that they'll be out of office when the debt comes due. Yeah, that's a great point. Kicking the can down the road to some other generation to deal with it. We've been doing that for a long time. Dan, I want to talk about something that President Biden kind of tickled over the weekend. He didn't quite say he'd do it, but he left open the possibility he would, invoking the 14th Amendment and uh, raising the debt ceiling himself. A lot of legal experts think he'll get slapped down in the courts. But if he did that, what would happen in this already complicated drama? I think what you said, it would get slapped down in the courts, but that hasn't stopped President Biden from trying before. You saw it with the student debt. You saw it with the rent payment moratorium, things that even he and uh, former Speaker Pelosi acknowledged that the executive branch does not have the power to do. This is even a more clear case where Congress has the power of the purse over spending and borrowing 
the, the 14th Amendment does not apply here, but again, has not stopped the Biden administration before. So I think you would see the House Republicans move to censure or do something along those lines. The administration, I think it would very quickly get stayed or shut down in the courts. I don't expect that you'd see that from, from the executive branch because it's just so flatly not within their job description. And I think Janet Yellen might say this would just add further complication and might risk default. If you try this, it gets shut down in the courts and then chaos ensues in Congress because they feel like they got the short end of the stick because their authority was usurped. They might not end up doing anything at all. I feel like it's an unnecessary overcomplication to even suggest that, let alone to actually do it. Yeah, good point. Dan, I want to switch gears to another piece of legislation, the Earn It Act. It died twice in the 116th and 117th Congress. A lot of folks are hoping third time's a charm, but cybersecurity experts oppose it. And when I read the details of this legislation, I think of the Ben Franklin quote about giving up essential liberty for safety and deserving neither, although that pertained to a tax dispute. I think that it applies here. Um, Obviously, everyone agrees that there should not be child sexual abuse material online, but this infringes on a lot of liberties for Americans. Can you talk to us about it? Yeah, I think you're right. And unfortunately, when you say the bill died twice, sadly, it seems like bad ideas never die in this city. They just go away for a little while and come back as something else. So the Earn It (laughs) Act would impose a lot of requirements on tech companies, namely social media platforms uh, for tracking user data, implementing age requirements for certain content, and would essentially enlist social media platforms as searchers on behalf of the federal government to make sure no illegal activity is happening behind the scenes. Uh, National security experts are rightly raising the alarm because it would pretty much disincentivize or make it presumptively illegal to encrypt very key sensitive data online because it would be presumed to be covering up potentially illegal activity. And then it would take a bludgeon to the first and fourth amendments. There are a number of court case precedents that show that this is unconstitutional in a number of ways, and that's why it has, quote unquote, died in the last two Congresses. But unfortunately, lawmakers keep bringing it back up. The nine lives of bad legislation. How about that? Dan, real quickly, will we have a deal or not? We've got about five seconds. I think we will. They, they always seem to get something done. I don't think it'll be good, but I think it'll get done. All right, folks, that wraps up our Sunday edition. God bless you. A big thank you to Mark Robinson, Ralph Norman. Lisa McLean, Nick Giordano, Andy Esposito, and Dan Savikas. Six great guests. They all brought something big to the table. We're always so grateful to get that thought leadership, that conversation, that common sense conversation about our country. That's what we try to do here at John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll be back on Monday with regular programming. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34-plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So 
you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not. Or even if you did, like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, you heard me, for free. You don't get anything free in the Biden economy today. I personally recommend you sign up for the American Citizenship and its decline. It's with my good friend, the great historian, Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, VDH, as I like to call them, explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. So start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, today. How do you do that? Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash justnews to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. And it's an easy URL to remember. All you got to do, go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews. One more time, hillsdale.edu slash justnews.